here to sugarcoat I'm sorry about you Too much shelter causes pain Let's just be real honest Things are gonna knock you down Avoidance will not help you out Let's talk it through you, me and you Let's keep it real honest Hey everyone, welcome to Real Honest, the podcast where we share candid thoughts and feelings about life, love, and relationships, God and church, adulting, the workplace, and everything in between. I'm your host, Samantha Labatt, and you may not always like me, but I'll always be honest with you. Good morning, good noontime, good evening, happy whatever day of the week you are listening to this on. I got a lot of positive feedback the last couple of weeks on the goals stuff, so I'm officially adding that as the first segment that we're going to do every week on here. So if you hate the goals talk, head to the show notes and skip to the next segment. All of the timestamps are in there. So checking in on goals. This is a great time if you are not driving or otherwise occupied, if you are like sitting in a space where you can do this. This is a great time to pull out your journal, your sticky note, your notes app on your phone, wherever you listed your goals for the year, and just kind of take a minute to read through those and ask yourself, like, what have I been consistently working on? Am I happy with that? Have I made any progress? What do I want to change? I know last week we talked about setting too many goals um, and it could be too many again. Like if you had a list of 20 and you narrowed it to 10, now narrow it to five. If five was too much, narrow it to three. Like if you can only focus on one for the year, do that. It's totally fine. My number one goal, main focus, whatever you want to call it for this year is to complete the first draft of my new novel. And I've noticed that writing this novel is the one thing that I will always put off. (laughs) So when it comes to my 30 days of yoga journey, I always do yoga. I might not do it at the same time every day. Like sometimes I do it first thing in the morning. Sometimes I do it at lunchtime. And sometimes I do it right before bed. But regardless of whatever happens in the day, I always find 20 minutes to do yoga. I also have been really consistent with my Bible study this year. Same thing where like I would plan to do it first thing in the morning. um, But if I woke up late and had to start working right away or whatever it is, if something else takes my time or attention, I have always been pausing to take about 30 minutes to do my Bible study at some point during the day, an average of four days a week. Um, and I've been really good on the weeks that I've only done my Bible study four days when I've missed, um, those other three, then usually then the following week I've been spending an hour to an hour and a half as opposed to 30 minutes a day to catch up on the readings that I missed because I am OCD and I need to be on track with my plan. Um, but when it comes to writing, that has been the thing that always gets pushed. So like if I plan to write first thing in the morning and then I don't get to it for whatever reason, I'm like, I keep making a calendar invite for myself that says work on novel. And I put it on my calendar at seven o'clock in the morning. And then based on whatever time it is, when I look at my phone, I'm like, oh, didn't get to it. And I just keep sliding the calendar invite 
further down on the calendar until the day is over and I haven't worked on my book and it's just gone. So what I did to combat this is I wrote myself a sticky note that says write first because that's what you always put off. And so things that I'm really good at prioritizing like Bible study or yoga, those now have to be after I work on my book. It's the same concept of when I do a social media and streaming fast, I don't do a true like fast for 30 days where I don't engage with either of those things at all for 30 days. I do time where it's kind of like, you know, if people do like the intermittent fasting from like whatever time in the morning to whatever time at night and then they can have a meal. Um, I kind of combine those to where I say like, social media and streaming has to be my very last priority. So I have a list of things that I have to complete in the day before I allow myself to watch a TV show or scroll on social media. Um, And it's just kind of however many days go by that I don't complete everything else on my list is how many days I will go without. And if I do complete all those things on my list, usually the day is over. (laughs) There's no time left to watch something or whatever. Um, But it's the same type of concept here where I'm telling myself, okay, writing is the priority. So every single day, like before I do yoga, before I do Bible study, before I do anything else on my to-do list, not including work, because obviously if work comes in, I have to do work to get paid. Um, Then I push those things because since I'm really good at not pushing yoga or Bible study, then I'm just getting my mind prepared to like, okay, if you want to do yoga, you're going to sit down and spend 30 minutes writing first. That has been working really well for me. I got a good amount written this week. I'm very happy with what I wrote. Super proud of it. Definitely on track to finish the first chapter by the end of the month. So I can send that to my two friends that are going to be waiting for it. So that is very exciting. The other thing to remember is that life happens to your plans. So I used to use an hourly planner and the intent with those is that you are supposed to schedule every half hour of your day. And obviously not everybody that uses an hourly planner does this. I'm just telling you guys the the origin of the intent. So the idea behind using an hourly planner is typically that the night before each day, you would sit and plan out your day tomorrow. So you might say like, I'll wake up at seven and from seven to 7.30, I'm gonna brush my teeth, review everything I have to do for the day, take some time to kind of really wake up. And then 7.30 to eight, I'm gonna work out. And then eight to 8.30, I'm gonna shower, do my hair, get dressed for the day. And then 8.30 to nine, I'm gonna eat breakfast. And then nine to five, I'm gonna be working. And then, you know, and just so on and so forth so that everything is accounted for. I do think this is a nice exercise because it helps you see how much time you actually spend scrolling or staring blankly at the wall or watching TV or whatever it is like that it's it gives you a visual representation um, especially if at the end of the day you go back through and you correct like you say like this is what I plan to do with this time and then you write down next to it in a different color like what you actually did with the time Um, and 
I never scheduled in time for staring blankly at the wall, and I really should have because I do that a lot. But I stopped using an hourly planner because you can't really plan for life to happen to your plans. There's a whole lot of stuff where you can estimate how long it's going to take, and then you get into it and realize it's going to take longer. For example, I volunteer with my sorority. Um, the The chapter is very large, and too many members of the chapter have my email address. And sometimes it's a quick email that I can just read and the answer is really quick. But sometimes the email says, can I schedule some time to get on a phone call or Zoom with you? And I am, you know, and it's like, okay, now I have to find time later in the week to call this person. And that makes it take longer to respond to the email that I have to look at my schedule. Or maybe I thought that it was going to be an email I could just respond to and then it would be over. But the fact that I have to respond and say, here's my availability. And then I have to wait for them to get back to me and then schedule a meeting. Like all of that just adds more time. And so there have been like a lot of hiccups with planning my dad's retirement party, for example, where I thought that my task of managing the invitations was going to be really simple and easy. And it actually has been significantly time consuming and has really been upsetting me because it's been taking time away from other things that I had planned to do. But I didn't have the information when I first agreed to do it to know that it was going to take this long. Same type of thing where like you can't plan for like someone to call you and you definitely can be protective of your time. So like if you budgeted an hour for writing or whatever and you get 15 minutes into it and then your phone rings and it's somebody that's important to you that you want to answer and that's why your phone's on do not disturb during your writing time. Um you know, you can answer and you can give that person, you can say, I've got 15 minutes, or you can say, I'm in the middle of something. Can I call you back in an hour? Like, how important is this? Or you can talk to them and that the phone call might be 20 minutes, might be two hours. And if it's two hours, like maybe you guys connect and you bond and it's a great phone call and your friend really needed you and you were there for them. And that's great. You just couldn't plan that into your day. So now you've got to shuffle things around. Um, and honestly, that kind of stuff has just been happening to me so often that I just did away with the hourly planner and I was like, forget it. I'm not even going to try to schedule out my whole day like that because it just does not make any sense. Um, the other thing is being able to reset and refocus on a regular basis. So like last night I got 9,100 steps and that is so close to 10,000. Like it literally, it would not have taken me. 20 minutes to just step touch, like pace my room or do a little dance to get to 10,000. But I was tired. And at the end of the day, I was, I was so tired. I was like, if I run around to get the rest of these steps right now, it's going to energize me. And then I'm going to have a harder time falling asleep. And it was more important to me that I fell asleep on time yesterday so that I could wake up today and record this podcast to get it scheduled on time than it was that I got 10,000 steps. Um, So even though I have the goal of getting 10,000 steps every day, I leave room to not get there and just constantly remind myself that that's okay if I don't get there every single day. Another thing that I have noticed is if I get 
halfway or three quarters of the way or like 90% to my goal, I feel better even if I don't reach it. So for example, when my goal was 5,000 steps, if I got 3,000 or 4,000, I was like, ooh, I'm close. So just by now having my goal at 10,000 steps a day, I am more consistently getting seven or 8,000 and that makes me feel good. And I think it's, I think they say anything above 8,000 is what puts you in like the, the healthy range if you can't make it to 10. And so that's another thing where like maybe raising the bar and setting the goal higher is going to just get you closer to where you want to be, even if it's not specifically getting you where you want to be. And that segues pretty nicely into my next segment, which is what God is teaching me right now. I feel like the biggest thing that I'm learning is just to slow down and don't overcommit. Like one one Bible study, one Bible reading plan at a time is enough. (laughs) I don't need to do two. Um, I was trying to do two at a time because I was doing one of those Bible in a year plans on version, and I was also doing a seven day plan that my pastor released. So I was like, it's only for seven days that I'll have two. like, it's not a big deal. Um, but then the version plan took about 15 minutes to get through. And then the one from my pastor took 30 to 45 minutes to get through. And I thought I was going to be spending give or take 30 minutes a day on Bible study. I did not plan for an hour and I certainly didn't plan for over an hour. So I was consistently doing one or the other, but not doing both of them and then being mad at myself (laughs) that I wasn't getting through both of them. And I was finally just like, I don't need to do both of them. It's not a big deal. One of the things that I struggle with, I think when it comes to like Bible study and spending time with God is my pastor gave this illustration years ago where he said, like, imagine like, um, you're looking at the message screen on a phone and it's all one color because it's either just you talking or it's just the other person talking, but you're not leaving room for a response. And he said, like, a lot of us do that with God, where, like, our prayer time is that we just talk and we ramble and we ask for things. And then we're like, all right, prayer time's over and we leave and we don't give God time to respond to us. And that's why we're not progressing in our relationship with God. Um, I feel like I do that a lot because I really struggle with, like, hearing God say anything back to me and I get annoyed if I like ask a question and I don't hear an answer right away and then I sit there and I stare at the wall and I just like wait in silence (laughs) for a while and I'm like okay feel like I'm wasting my time because you're not saying anything and that kind of thing really stresses me out which is why I try to make sure I spend time in prayer and bible study every day because I have found that spending regular and consistent time in the word helps me see and hear responses from God more often, which is nice. Um, But I feel like in the past week, I have also been reminded that like, I don't talk to a lot of my close friends every day. And the friends that I don't talk to every day that are like we have closer relationships than maybe some people I do talk to every day. 
we have more meaningful conversations when we do talk, even if it's only once a week or once a month. Um, And so just applying that to the Bible study, I feel like God is more interested in the quality of the time than he is in the quantity. So if I'm spending an hour a day with him and I'm getting something, that's great. But if I'm spending an hour a day just to rush through the study and check off that I did it and feel better that I studied the word today and I prayed today, but I'm not really learning anything about God, then it's pointless and I don't need to be doing it. Like God would rather me spend an hour a week with him intentionally than an hour a day just rushing. Um, So really slowing down and understanding that like, (laughs) It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be five different plans at one time. Like, really, it's going to be okay. I do quickly want to acknowledge some feedback I got last week, which is that the podcast has gotten too biblical and valid. So the reason that I titled this Real Honest and not like Single Black Christian or something is because... I don't know that I'm going to be single for the entirety of the time that I do this podcast. Obviously, I'm going to be black forever, but I'm not going to only talk about being black. Um, And I do plan to be Christian forever, but like things happen, life happens. I don't know. Um, But I don't want this to be a sermon discussion podcast. This is not like just a... God talk podcast. Like, I know that I have a lot of friends who do not believe in God and who don't go to church and are not interested in that whole aspect. Um, so I do hear you and I appreciate you and I thank you for listening. And um, really and truly, the reason that there have has been more of that and like less story times and stuff is just that there's nothing going on in my life right now. Um, the biggest thing is I'm not in love. <laughs> And I, I did consider getting back on dating apps just to have content for this podcast. Like I was sitting here in December and I was like, what am I going to talk about next year? I don't have anything to talk about. And that thought popped into my head that was like, oh, if I start dating again, I'll have some stories. I'll have stuff to talk about. Um, but really and truly, I love you guys, but not enough to suffer through dating ever again. I am just not interested in dating. I hate it. And no, thank you. But you know, it's only January. (laughs) So there is a lot of time for me to fall in love again, for things to get spicy. And we always can revert to story behind the songs. (laughs) There are many of those left that we can do. Okay, but let me jump into today's topic, which is Do you love the person or the activity? This topic is inspired by a conversation that I have with my sister because I was upset about how the family Christmas cruise went and I was expressing this to my sister. So for those of you who have not been on a Disney cruise, it is really, really similar to visiting either of the parks in the sense that there is an app with a schedule in it So it's like, if you want to go to the theater, you can go to the app and it'll tell you like in this theater, here's the movies playing all day long. And same thing with stage shows, same thing with like in this piano bar, 
this guy is going to play this time to this time. There's karaoke happening in this lounge at this time. And there are a lot of activities available and going on all day, every day. And I really wanted to experience as much as I possibly could because I felt like that was the best way to get my money's worth. Where my sisters didn't want to do karaoke, didn't want to do trivia, like didn't want to see movies, really were not interested in a whole lot more than sitting in the lounge with a cocktail. And I'm like, okay, why can't we sit in the lounge with a cocktail for like an hour and then go do something else? And they were very like... There were a few things that they went and did with me, but they complained about it and were like rolling their eyes and were like, okay, I'm here. Like you wanted me to be here. Here I am. And so it was like knowing that they didn't want to be there frustrated me. And it felt to me like it wasn't about the activity. It felt like it was about me because they kept saying like, if you want to go do X, Y, Z, go do it. Like, we'll be here when you're done. You can always come back here. We don't have to spend the day together. Like we don't have to do everything together. Go do whatever you want to do. And I felt very dismissed by them saying that so frequently because I was like, we don't live in the same cities anymore. Like we only see each other a couple times a year. We're only on this cruise for three days. Like, why can't we spend time together? Why can't we enjoy each other's company? Like, why can't we, you know, why can't we do maybe a couple things that we don't really want to do for the sake of bonding and spending time together? And my sister's initial response was like, what? So you would have rather me spent the whole day just following you around and doing whatever you want to do that I didn't want to do and being mad? And I was like, no, I'm not asking that you only do what I want to do, but I think it would have been nice if like our family of five could have committed to spending the three days together and maybe we just cycled through like each person decide what to do. Like maybe dad decides where to eat breakfast and then during breakfast, Lauren decides what we're going to do for the half hour or the hour after breakfast and then just kind of cycle through each of us like that the whole day until the day is over. And that way everybody gets to choose an activity and we also are like spending time together. As she and I talked this over, it was very like for her, it had nothing to do with me. Like it wasn't about not wanting to spend time with me and being annoyed that I was around. It was more focused on the activities of like, I just wanted to do activities that she didn't want to do. And I did a few activities that I didn't want to do because I wanted to be with my sisters and like hang out with them and talk to them. Um, And I feel like I did it with a better attitude because the couple things that they did with me that they didn't want to do, it was very like, I really, I don't want to be here. And so that just led to my sister and I having a deeper conversation where I was telling her like, you know, I just don't really understand what it is about this family that feels so much like we don't like each other and we don't want to be together. Because when I hang out with my friends like my true, like close best friends, I really do not care what we are doing. (laughs) Like I just, I just want to be with them. You know, like Cameron is the good time. 
Like he is fun in a drunken, hot, sweaty club where I hate to be more than anywhere else, but I will be there with him and have a good time. And he is fun on the couch watching the Cheetah Girls because he is fun. And I know that if Cameron is with me, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, like I am going to have a good ass time and I'm going to laugh until I can't breathe because that is just what happens when I am with him. And I feel like most of my friends are like that, where I'm just like, I I don't really care. Like if I'm not interested in seeing that movie at all, like I'll still go because I want to sit next to you. Like I just want to be in the room with you. Like I love you. I just, I want to see you. I want to talk to you. Like you are who I want to spend time with. And like any activity is enhanced just by being with you. And it was interesting because my sister was kind of like, well, maybe I don't really like anyone like that because I can't think of any friend that I feel that way about or that I think feels that way about me. Like she was saying that she feels like most of her friends, like there's something they do together. Like they go to the gym together or they happy hour together and that's fun. But she doesn't want necessarily want to take the happy hour friend to the gym or whatever other examples that she gave. And I find that really interesting because it kind of goes back to um, the friendship study that Pastor Holly Furtick wrote, which I talk about in some episode last season. Um, But she talks about like the zones of friendship where like a zone zero friend is like a social media friend. Like this is somebody that you don't know. And it could be somebody that you knew at one point, like maybe you were best friends with this person in high school, but the two of you are now 30 and you have not spoken since you graduated high school, but you're friends on Facebook and you like each other's posts and you know that they have three kids because they post about them on Facebook and you comment on their posts and say like, oh my gosh, little Billy is so cute. Um, And maybe your friend likes your comment. But the two of you never have like an actual interaction. Like you're not messaging each other directly, talking about your lives. You're not calling each other. Like the friendship that you had in high school is gone. And now you're just social media friends. Um, And then there's like, as I think it's zone two, is there's something that you have in common that sustains your friendship. And without that thing, you are not friends. So this is usually a work friend or a gym friend, somebody that like you met them at work and you're very close when you're at work. Like maybe you eat lunch together every day. Maybe you sit next to each other and you talk about your lives and whatever it is. But if that person quits the job or if you quit the job, then you two no longer have a relationship and you do not speak beyond working together. Um, Or it could be somebody that you met like in a yoga class and maybe you guys talk about your lives while you're getting ready for class. And after class, when you're walking to your cars or whatever it is, but outside of that, you're not like going to grab a meal and having deep life talks or whatever it is. And then when you get toward like zone four, I can't remember if there were four zones or five zones or whatever. It's it's an old episode. Um, But when you get like to the higher zones, then it's like these are like your close personal best friends that you've spent a lot of time with that you have been through things with and the point of the study is not to help you turn your zone zero friends into zone four friends or however many zones there are um it is that it's healthy to have friends in all of the zones um now my sister and i do not talk about this stuff a whole 
lot. So I cannot say that she only has zone two friends. I have not spent enough time with her discussing like her relationships to make that distinction. Um, but I do think that it's, it's interesting and it's a difference that she and I have, and it's something to acknowledge because I have way more zone four friends where we're like very deep and I'm like obsessed with them. And I don't even know if I have any like zone two friends because for one, I work from home and I work out from home. Like I don't, I don't belong to a gym. I don't go to an office. So I don't really have anything like that in my life right now where I could make a friend there. It could be seminary. Like it's totally possible that when I start school next week, I'll meet someone who's going to be like a really good friend to chat with like before and after class. And maybe we'll build a relationship outside of that. And maybe we won't. Um, but just currently and for the past few years, like that's just not something that I have had. Um, so that kind of changes how I look at relationships and how I value spending time with people because when I am just so elated to be in the presence of somebody, I absolutely do not care what they are doing. And of course, like this is specific people. It's not anyone, right? Like I'm not doing ride alongs to the drug dealer with just anyone. Like I'm doing that with a very specific person that I'm madly in love with. And I just find him so fun to where I could sit there and not be scared and just be like, we're going on an adventure. Um, if you missed that episode, I'm sure I talked about it at some point last season. And for everybody that is like freaking out, that doesn't know the story chill because this was like it was not a crack house it was like random guys house in a normal neighborhood where nobody was dying or being murdered like please chill I'm not an idiot just it was just an example of the thing (laughs) but so I'm curious like do you love the person or the activity like when it comes to your friends and I think maybe part of it is that like there's not a whole lot of activities that I'm that deeply into. I mean, like I love going to Disneyland and I think I could have a good time at Disneyland by myself, but I prefer to have friends with me when I'm in Disneyland. I think it's more fun. Um, I think anything is more fun when I have a friend around. Like I just, I would always rather be alone or with my friends than with acquaintances or strangers that's part of why I don't like dating because dating is literally just spending time with a new stranger over and over and over again and I hate that so like if there was a way that you could just like jump to like three months into dating where you already like know each other I would be more into it um sounds like a black mirror episode anyway it's interesting because I feel like my family has not really spent that like intentional time together getting to know each other to where we can really enjoy being together you know in the way that like certain of my friends like we can look at each other across the room and like you know let let's say we're in like a karaoke bar and whether it's the song that the person's singing or how terrible they are. Like I can look at certain of my friends across the room and like know that we're thinking the same thing and we will just die laughing. And I just, I, that type of like inside joke type knowing the person, I just don't have that 
with either of my parents or my sisters. And I really wish I did. Like, I long for that. Like, I want that to be a thing because I, I, it just feels very forced to me when my family does stuff together. Like, it's very like, I'm doing this because you're my sister or because you're my kid and you asked me to. And since we're related, doing the thing together is the right thing to do, but I really don't want to. And I just like, I really don't, I never want somebody to do something that they really don't want to do to be with me. You know, like I would never ask one of my atheist friends to come to church with me if I felt like they would be uncomfortable and if they're really not interested. Like, why would I torture them in that way? Um, If they're interested and open to it, then I think that's different. But it's the same type of thing where... I also don't want to do anything that I really don't want to do to be with someone. And I feel like I really don't. But also, I don't have friends that ask me to do things that I don't want to do. Like, I'm not friends with people that ever ask me to compromise my values or anything like that. I don't know. I feel like when it comes to activities, like, I really like seeing movies. And if I don't have anyone that lives in the area that's interested in the same type of movies as me, I will just go to the theater by myself because the movie is the good time. Like, I really don't care who I see it with or if I see it with anyone. So I don't know. Like, I find that interesting. So I just want to pose the question um, to you all out there. Like, please call, text, or email me and let me know. Like, when you find yourself spending time with people And if somebody says, do you want to hang out? And then you say, sure, what do you want to do? What is driving you hanging out with that person? Like, is it the person or is it the activity? And if it's the person, how do the two of you decide what to do or does it even matter? And if it's the activity, how do you select the person that does it with you? And then is the person that does the thing with you interchangeable like does it really matter who it is or like I'm just really really curious of what you all think about this and I want to be clear that I'm not trying to imply that either of these approaches is better than the other I just think they're interesting and different and I think it's something to notice so like if all of my sister's friendships are zone two friendships which I'm not saying that they are just if they were I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a friend that like the two of you love horror movies and that's the person that you call when you want to see a horror movie and all you guys do is watch horror movies together and you have nothing else in common and nothing else to talk about and you're really not interested in seeing them outside of watching horror movies. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's just something to know about yourself so that as you are meeting people and trying to build friendships that you are going places and engaging in activities that you enjoy so that you can find like-minded people who enjoy the same thing. Like for me, I have almost exclusively zone four friendships, which causes issues because I can be very dismissive 
like take work friends, for example, like I'm not interested in having a work bestie anymore because I always get really sad when my work bestie quits or when I quit and I expect our friendship to continue and it doesn't. And then I find out that like, oh, we weren't ever really besties. Like I was just helping them pass the time during the workday and a job that we both hated. Like that bothers me and it feels like a waste of my time, even though I truly don't think it was a waste of my time. I think we both served a purpose to each other for a time or a season or whatever you want to call it. But in that same vein, like I hate small talk. Like if I am at a wedding or a party or an event and like somebody walks up and starts talking to me, like if I feel like it the chances of me ever seeing that person again are low, then I don't care to invest five or 10 minutes at the party learning anything about them. Like I want to invest my time into people that are in it with me for the long haul and like going to be there and going to be around and going to like deeply care about me and that I'm going to deeply care back. But you can't usually know that about somebody when you meet them, right? So I feel like there are advantages and disadvantages to both approaches. And the best approach would be to have some relationships in both categories. So it's kind of just like, you know, if you are the person that is more focused on the activity you know, how much are you really getting to know the person and how much are they really getting to know you? And also, do you care? Like, do you want them to really know you? And do they really want to know you? And if not, does that bother you or not? And, you know, same thing on my side where it's like, I really care about people almost too much because I am constantly checking in on people that are not checking back and they probably find me really irritating, but like, I'm going to keep smothering them with my love until they tell me not to. It, it hits harder for me when I lose a friend. Like it feels like a breakup because I am like, you know, I envisioned this whole like, life of us growing old together and still having these deep life talks and like really they were only a close friend for like six months to help me through a job or a workout plan or a bible study group or whatever it is so I just I'd want to make sure that's clear that I'm just saying that this is something to notice I'm not out here saying I'm a great friend my sister's a terrible friend and she doesn't know what relationships are like that is so not the message please don't walk away with that I also want to correct now what I just said of it hits harder for me when I lose a friend because honestly, I don't know that to be true. I feel like that's true because I have a very, very deep emotional well, but like to somebody who, if you prioritize the activity, like if you love wine and paint and it's really important to you to wine and paint once a week or twice a month or whatever it is, and you get a group of girlfriends who all come to wine and paint with you and that's really important to you. And maybe you don't care so much about the specific girls in the group of girlfriends, but it makes your day, your week, your month to have wine and paint with this group of women. And suddenly all of them move away or all of them get busy or they all lose their jobs and no one can afford it anymore. And you're going to wine and paint by yourself. Like I can envision a world in which that is just as upsetting to you. 
as me thinking I bonded with a work friend that I was sharing everything about my life to every day because she sat next to me at work and she was acting like she was really interested and invested and cared and it turned out that I was just passing time for her and she totally didn't give a crap. Yeah, I take that back. I don't want to say that it hits harder for me because I think that depending on how deep your emotional well is and what's important to you, I think that any type of loss can be difficult. So I don't want to take that away from people that are different from me. And then moving into the hard conversation of the week segment, um, I'm going to use that conversation with my sister. It really wasn't a hard conversation in terms of like, neither of us was mad and we weren't like attacking or accusing each other. I think it was hard because we were coming from different places and we really didn't see eye to eye. Like I think the conversation started with me complaining about this retirement party that we're planning for my dad and how I thought that the invitations were going to be really simple and quick. And they ended up taking like way more of my time. And I was kind of whining about that. And my sisters are like way more on board with planning this party than I am. And, you know, we cycled through a lot of different topics in the probably two, three hours that we talked. And we don't, talk like that very frequently. Um, So I really appreciated her like staying with it because I feel like in the past, if I would have expressed like being upset about how my sisters acted toward me on the cruise or whatever, I feel like she would have been more dismissive and said something to the effect of like, well, the cruise is over, so it doesn't even matter. But she you know, asked more questions of like, well, why did you feel that way? And what do you really mean? And like, okay, so if you were unhappy with the way things went, like explain to me your ideal version of like how it could have gone differently. Like, what did you specifically want me to do differently? Um, And then I was able to ask her, like, were you not bothered at all by the way things went? And she opened up to me and started talking about how, She feels like she constantly has to choose between either doing something that she doesn't want to do for somebody else or protecting her peace and choosing what she wants to do and then somebody else being upset because she didn't go with what they wanted and she feels like there's never a way to get both. And so like I kind of just gave her the example of like when I was on the cruise, our other sister wanted to get her nails done. I really wasn't interested in going to the salon on the cruise, but like that's something that she wanted to do. And I was like, all right, that's going to take an hour to an hour and a half. So that's like good time that we can like sit next to each other and like talk about something and like maybe bond. I don't know. So I went and got my nails done with her and the other sister went and did something else. And I was explaining to her, like, I didn't want to get my nails done. Like, that's not what I wanted to do with my time or my money, but it didn't hurt me. It cost me some money. No big deal. I had the money. But what was really important to me was spending time with my sister that I only see a couple times a year. So I feel like something like that should be fairly easy to do. I think it's different if like it's something that is causing you pain. Like I'll use a stupid example, but like I am allergic to cats and dogs. So if I have a friend that has a pet that I'm allergic to 
and they don't clean their house meticulously. And it's one of those houses that like the second I walk through the front door, it's like five minutes before I cannot breathe. And that friend, every time they ask me to hang out, they want to do it at their house and the dog or the cats are in the room with us and they want me to be playing with the dog. Like I am actively miserable during that experience. So that's something that I'm not going to do. Like love you, but don't love you enough to suffer in that way. Dog people get really offended when you don't love on their dogs. And like I dated a guy one time who I was very allergic to his dog and his dog was used to riding in the front seat of his car. So anytime that he would drive us somewhere and we had to bring the dog, he would like strap his dog into the back seat. And every single time his dog would get out of the back seat and end up like in my lap. And I am also like, this was a giant black lab. And I'm also sneezing uncontrollably the whole time. And whenever I would like tr- bring this up of like talking about how like I was just not going to become a dog person, like it's just not happening he'd be like, well, why don't you just take allergy medicine? First of all, bro, I already do take allergy medicine every day. And you know, it wasn't a good fit because at the end of the day, like I've never met a dog person who would choose a person over a dog. Like all of you dog people are like, if you want to be my friend or you want to date me, you have to love me and my dog. We are a package deal. I get it. I'm not the girlfriend or the friend for you. Like, sorry. Like, it's funny because my mom always complains about how, like, I go visit Cameron and I don't complain about his dogs. And I am like, because Cameron does not force me to play with his dogs. Like, Cameron plays with his dogs and I sit on the other side of the room and his dogs walk over and try to sniff me. And I'm like, don't lick me. I'm glad that you're too short to reach my butt with your nose. But like Cameron understands that I'm not a dog person and he is a dog person and we accept that about each other. Whereas I feel like my mom like desperately wants me to love her dog as much as she does and really wishes that like I would hug her dog and play with her dog. And I'm like, I'm just not going to do that. Like I am not a dog person. Sorry. So I think you can kind of evaluate it like that when you're trying to choose between like protecting your peace and doing something for somebody else. But at the same time, I also think that this calls into question the value of the friendships because I feel like when my very close friends ask me to do something, I'm honored to do it. I am like, thank you for trusting me with your time and your thoughts, your emotions, like, thank you for calling and asking me to help with this. Because that to me, like, if one of my close friends, like, calls me and shares with me, like, a personal issue that they're going through and, like, asks for my advice, my friends are really apologetic about that for some reason. They're like, I know that you're busy. Like, I'm so sorry that I'm crying or whatever it is, but I'm just, like, I'm really stressed out. And I am like, oh my gosh, like, It is my honor that you have chosen me to go through this with you because I love you and I just want to see you be happy and I just want to see you thrive and I want to walk through life with you and I know that that includes like hard moments. So don't worry about like the time that it's going to take. Like if you need me to fly to you and be with you for a few days, like don't worry about the money or putting me out or anything like that because like I love you and of course I will do it. And I feel like if the feeling that I have 
when somebody calls me and is going through something like that, if I am like rolling my eyes and feeling like, oh my gosh, this person's been going for 15 minutes. How am I going to get them off the phone? Like, oh my gosh, they're asking me to come visit them. Like, there's no way in hell that I'm going to spend money or time on that. Then that's really not one of my close friends, you know? So I think it also has to do with that, where like my close friends are not going to ask me to do something that makes me uncomfortable. And I'm also not going to be uncomfortable doing most things like with my very close friends. It's like having my besties with me is what like gives me the confidence and the comfort to be able to try something new in a lot of cases. And I think all of this is really difficult for my sister to understand because she just views friendships and relationships differently. She has very different experiences with her friends than I do with mine. Like the way that like, if one of my friends calls me crying and I am like, oh my gosh, I'm honored. They trust me so much. I love them so much. I just want to hold them. Like my that probably mortifies my sister because she's very like, if she's going to cry, she's going to do it at home alone. Like she doesn't want anyone with her when she's crying. Like she doesn't like, that's not something that gives her comfort to have people around where to me, I don't want to say that I like crying in front of people. I don't, that would be weird. Um, But it's more like I have a significant number of people in my life that I feel comfortable enough around to feel whatever I'm feeling. So like whether I'm crying or whether I'm really excited, like I feel like they're gonna be there with me and they're gonna react in a way that's gonna hold space for whatever I need in the moment. Um, And I don't know that that's something that my sister has experienced yet or even is looking to experience. So I feel like Part of what enabled us to have this conversation is that she has now been in therapy for some years. We'll always shout out therapy. Everyone needs to get their ass in therapy. Um, but it was it was very different. Like if we had tried to have this, we have tried to have this conversation multiple times. We're 30 and 32. Like we've tried to have it and it hasn't gone well. And this time, like it did go well because we both were present and we both held space for the other one and we both were really trying to understand like what the other one was saying and where they were coming from so I feel like that's why I picked it as the hard conversation of the week because that can be hard to do like I mentioned earlier we talked for like two or three hours a lot of people are not going to spend that kind of time trying to get on the same page So like, I think you have to really, really value someone and you've, you have to push through, like, I know this is dumb, but if any of you play the Sims or like, sometimes you've got two Sims or talking and you're only using the friendly socials, but then like the embarrassed mood that will pop up and they'll get uncomfortable and they'll be like, I can't believe I just said that. And you're like, how did you say something embarrassing? You're only being friendly. Like I didn't have you try to flirt or anything, but that happens like naturally in conversation. It's like you say something embarrassing. You say something that hurts the other person. And it's difficult to 
power through that and to not give in to the fear and just retreat and run away from it. So if anyone is, has someone in their life that like you're wanting to have like some type of a breakthrough with, like, please, please, please just keep trying because it is so rewarding and so satisfying when you finally get to have that. And it just takes time. Last segment is TV or movie recommendation. I'm going TV this week because the last couple movies that I saw, I do not recommend. I do not recommend the new Mean Girls musical. Um, and I do not recommend the conclusion to the after series. If you are invested in Tessa and Harden and you've been here for the train wreck since the first movie as I have, I mean, go ahead and watch it because it's finally over. Thank God. But ugh, I hate the afters and I hate it, Mean Girls. So the TV show that I want to recommend is Foundation. It's on Apple TV. It's a sci-fi show. Um, it is based off of a book series from like the forties, I think, but I've been listening to the podcast alongside the TV show. So like they have an official podcast. I highly recommend both the podcast and the show. Um, I found out that the podcast existed after I finished season two. So I'm kind of, I've gone back to the beginning of the podcast and I'm now listening. But so the showrunner is talking about like how he adapted the book. And there's a whole lot of people in the community that were like fans of the book that are upset with a lot of, you know, he changed. Um, they did some gender flips. They changed races of some characters to update it for today, obviously, because it was written by a white man who only had white characters. And obviously, like the media has finally caught on to the need for diversity and that kind of thing. So as I listen to the showrunner talk about all of the changes he made from the book, it sounds like I'm not interested in reading the book and I wouldn't like it. But I love the TV show. I think it is brilliant. I think it's really, really, really well done. It asks a lot of like, big life questions. Don't recommend binge watching this show. Like I would watch it weekly, like pretend that it's on like primetime cable and just pick a time and watch it every week. And then a few days after you watch the episode, like listen to the podcast for that episode because there's a lot going on. This is not a show that you can like have on in the background while you're working or that you can be on your phone. Like you really have to pay attention to every single scene, every single word. Um, and I love that because I, it, all of it is necessary. Like this is not, the writers didn't write any fluff. Like there is intention in every piece of dialogue and every moment. There's also a lot of time travel and like stuff can get confusing, which is why I recommend the podcast because listening to it has really any gaps or any things that I missed or didn't fully understand watching the show have been explained to me in the podcast, which has been cool. But if you're into sci-fi at all, I highly, highly, highly recommend. This show was actually recommended to me by somebody. Like I was complaining about Dune, the part one movie, about how I was like, okay, I feel like I just watched a movie for three and a half hours and nothing happened. <laughs> um, and this guy was like, yeah, if you want like a sci-fi thing where things like move and also has all of the like crazy world building and new culture and all this kind of stuff, like watch Foundation, you'll like it much better. And he was right. 
Um, so that's cool. Uh, I think that is all I have for you today. So keep sending the feedback on how you guys are feeling about the podcast. Let me know what you're learning. Let me know what you want to know, what you want to talk about, what you're wrestling with, what's going on in your worlds. Uh, you know, call me, text me, message me on Instagram. If you don't have my number, that's probably for a reason. So you can email me at realhonestpod at gmail.com. Okay, bye. I'm not here to sugarcoat, I've already above you. Too much shelter causes pain, let's just be real honest. Things are gonna knock you down, avoidance will not help you out. Let's talk it through, you me and you. Let's keep it real honest.